Tudor, Lego Batman here. Play Podcast PD. Welcome to Podcast PD, the podcast. This is the podcast for K-12 educators who want anytime, anywhere professional development. We are going to dive deep into the education topics that you might get in a faculty meeting or on a PD day, but you'll have a lot more fun with AJ Bianco, Stacey Lindas, and me, Chris Nessie. Welcome back to another episode of Podcast PD, the podcast. This is episode number nine. My name is Chris Nessie, Mr. Nessie on Twitter. Also host the House of EdTech podcast over on chrisnessie.com. And I'm very excited to welcome in my two co-hosts for the episode. As always, let's bring on our very own Wonder Woman, Stacey Lindes. How are you? I'm doing well, Chris. How are you? I am doing very, very awesome because I got to see you today. That is always fun. It was super fun. Haha, ha, get it? <laughs> super fun because we're super friends. And you're Superman. Damn right. Proud of it. AJ Bianco is also here with us. That was super brutal. And I apologize to the listeners out there for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I was there too, and it was a good time seeing you guys. It was our Coffee EDU that we did discuss in our last episode. So, coffee to you, I think, was pretty successful. I think it was, too. Big shout-out to the Colonial Diner in East Brunswick. Fantastic pork roll in East Brunswick. AJ, your thoughts? I thought the pork roll was delicious. I'm fist-pumping, people. I'm fist-pumping. He said it. Stacy's excited. We're excited. <laughs> My hands are in the air. Look, people. <laughs> pork roll. <laughs> I'm a northern New Jersey person. We say Taylor Ham up here. You said pork roll. Look, I shifted down to Central Jersey, so for you guys, I had the pork roll. But next time I go to the bagel place by me, Taylor Ham, Megan Cheese all the way, and a Yoo-Hoo. I just love Yoo-Hoo. Just give me the syrup and put it in the milk. As much as people love to listen to us banter, they don't come here to hear us talk about breakfast. It's a different podcast. Is there a podcast for breakfast? There has to be. I must be missing out. That's everybody's homework. Find a podcast about breakfast. Report back in two weeks. Oh my gosh, that'd be awesome. If you, the listener, find a podcast about breakfast, uh, hashtag it PancakePD along with hashtag PodcastPD, and we'll be on the lookout for your tweets. Yes, please, please. So as we get this episode in full swing, this is, I guess I'll, I'll call it part two of a, a multi-part series. Last time in episode eight, we talked about five things that we got out of PD this school year. Now, if you haven't listened to that, you need to go back either in your podcatcher or you can go to our website at podcastpd.com slash eight, and you can check out the things that we all discussed last time about what we got from our PD this year. And it was a great conversation, and you should definitely go and check it out. In this episode, Stacey, AJ, and I, we're going to be talking about five things we want from PD next school year. And... In advance of our discussion, you can find all the links to everything we mention and talk about in the show notes at podcastpd.com slash nine. Without further ado, why don't we get into our 
five things that we want from PD next year. Stacy, you filled out bullet point A, so you get to go first. My big thing for next year comes with a little bit of a backstory where we, you know, I've been in this position for five years, but I have no formal training or even informal training on how to coach adults. And it's something that I feel I have a weakness in. Maybe not even so much a weakness, but I have definitely lots of room for growth. We recommended to our supervisor past year that maybe we have some come, someone come in and train us on how to coach adults. Because, you know, while it's very similar to teaching students, the traditional student, it's not exactly the same. Everyone knows that we're not instructional supervisors, so doesn't necessarily have the same weight of those two elements, you know, being graded or you know, having an evaluation that comes at the end. And so teachers have the choice of whether or not they work with us. We don't necessarily force our coaching on anyone. That was a suggestion we had at the beginning of the year based on, actually, AJ, you'll appreciate this, based on something that I got from Ed Camp Leader last year in North Jersey. I believe it was the Wyckoff teachers who had this whole model where a coach on coaching came in to coach them through what coaching looks like. So we made that pitch to our supervisor in the fall. I'm excited that for next year, we have that opportunity and Jim Knight is coming to our district and we will be working with all of our coaches, not just our technology coaches. So we have, um, as you guys know, my title is teacher resource specialist for technology, but we have other teacher resource specialists and we are growing in numbers. I think by the by the end of the summer, when everyone is hired, we'll be upwards of 30 different teacher resource specialists for technology and behaviors. And we have a new... Um, teacher resource specialist for BCBA, which is board certified behavior analyst, you know, curriculum and instruction, math. So there's a lot of potential for all of us to be on the same page when it comes to our coaching and to have kind of the same philosophy or work towards maybe developing our a district-wide philosophy on what coaching looks like. Stacy, I have a question and it relates to what you started that with. And I got to commend you. It's very positive when you basically said, you know, you've been doing your job for five years and never got any formal training on being a coach and, and how to actually do the job, whether it's technology or math or reading. What have you done in the last five years to supplement that? Because you truly embody lifelong learning. So you had to have known that when you started the job. So I'll repeat the question. What have you done in the five years to be a coach who works with adults if the district didn't give it to you or you didn't have that previously? I agree with you. I think that, you know, I really embrace that whole idea of being a lifelong learner. It's what I actually love most about my job is, you know, it's never the same. And it's actually what I liked about being in the classroom, moving from grade level to grade level or having some of the curriculum change, not all of the curriculum at once, but every now and again, getting a new opportunity to bring something new into the classroom. And that's, you know, I've really embraced that. And as far as my own development and, and, you know, working with those adults, I've, I've had to seek out my own training. You know, we've done a couple of book clubs. So most of what I do is one-on-one. It's what I, it's how I prefer to deliver most of the content that I share with teachers. I think because they feel more comfortable with that. If I know I'm meeting with someone, I always, uh, I've been actually, let me rephrase. I've been, you know, telling them to bring a friend because I think that learning together makes it stickier. Um, you know, and, you know, maybe one person hears it one way and can correct any misconceptions 
I, I always find the most daunting task is to work with large groups, especially with tech, but that's more PD. Um, and I think for me, like learning the difference between what is PD and what's training will be helpful. I mean, I have an idea, but it'll just be nice to have a formalized definition. And for all of us to be working off of that same definition, um, I've talked to other people about what PD looks like in in their districts. And I think that that's been really helpful. You know, I've sought out one-on-one conversations with with supervisors who have that as their specific role. You know, we I've mentioned Rich Chiz before. He, that was his entire role before he was a principal was to be a supervisor to bring in solid professional development. It gets it gets me thinking and a lot of it is just conversation what works for other coaches. You know, I take part in um in a couple of Voxer chats that are just for coaches. Uh, I'm in a Facebook group that, you know, I'm trying to be maybe a little more active in. And then one thing that my district did was that we created a um, New Jersey ed tech coaches group. And we've hosted that group twice in my district. And that's been probably the most rewarding thing, you know, what's working, what isn't working that and the Voxer group. That's been, that's been the most rewarding for me. This is actually the first that you're mentioning the, the coaches group that meet that meets physically, uh, which was a great idea on your part. When you couple that with actual training with somebody like uh, Coach Knight, for <laughs> lack of uh, better wording, you should be well on your way to taking your career and what you do to another level. I, I, I would think, if I was going to make a prediction. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for that opportunity, and I'm also super excited. Like I said, that. Everyone in my district will be receiving the same message. Everyone who's in that coaching position will be operating with the same um, the same language and the same philosophy and coming at it in the same way that we know we have our trainings when we do reading and writing workshop or in the same way that we have our trainings when it comes to math workshop. We all start with a common language and we move from there. I'll be interested to come back to this once you've gone through some of the training to see what that is and what it entails and what you're able to do to put your spin on it because nobody is going to be a tech coach like you are a tech coach, Stacy. You know, whether it's any one of your team members or in another content area, you're bringing something unique to the table. So I'm going to be interested to to call, to, to call back to this. Yeah, and, and the really great thing is it's happening very early in September. So I'll be able to bring it back and turnkey it that whole experience all year long. So, so Chris, you hit it perfectly on the head. I was wondering the same thing, you know, when you meet with coaches or if you have a group of people who are coaches, it's good to hear what they do and what works for them. But every school has a different climate and culture. So I'm curious how would they do in their school? And, and if you bring it over to your school, Stacy how it works for you or, or have you experienced that yet? Or are you going to wait till you meet with coach Knight and uh, see what he offers up? I think we're supposed to get the book over the summer. And so one of the recommendations that I just sent my supervisor was that we should take that book and um, maybe in the fall kind of meet together in heterogeneous groups of coaches. So we kind of did that with our IT department where we read Who Moved My Cheese at the very beginning of the year. And it wasn't just tech coaches. It was pretty much everyone who is under my director. So 
you know, um, the director of communications, I think, was in a group, the IT people, the data services people, basically everyone who gets together for Pi Day to celebrate with my director pretty much got a copy of Who Moved My Cheese. And then we kind of met in different groups. So I met with, you know, some of the some of the IT guys who help fix, you know, broken devices and, and different programs that um, can have some issues, as well as my director and someone from data services. So it was kind of cool to have those conversations with people that I don't necessarily get to see every day. And I was thinking that if we did that with a coaching book as well, that that would be kind of cool that we could, you know, I live in, I live in a weird world of, of isolation. You know, I see, I see the other tech coaches all of the time, but I don't necessarily see any of the other teacher resource specialists. There's one other teacher resource specialist in my school. She's G and T, but her role is so different from what mine is. Um, she works primarily with students. Whereas, you know, when I worked at the four five building last year, that teacher resource specialist for gifted and talented had like a weird hybrid where she was a GNT teacher, but she also worked one-on-one small group or led PD about how to, you know, um, differentiate instruction to meet the needs of all learners, whether they be gifted or not. So that was kind of cool. And then I also worked very closely last year with the curriculum instruction um, teacher resource specialist. And we kind of, we called ourselves like a three-headed monster because we were responsible for a lot of the PD planning in our district. But because I'm not in that role anymore, I don't necessarily feel like I get to have that conversation with people who are outside of technology. So it'd be nice to, you know, have that same experience and then kind of digest it together. I think it's, I I think you have a lot of good things that you want to work with. And I think it's very clever to, uh, to bring in a a guy like this, who's going to kind of put you in the right direction. I I don't know. I don't know anything he's done. I've never actually heard of him before. I'll be honest with you, but if you're coach Knight, you have to be doing something right. Yeah. And so I don't know all too much about him either, except for the fact that he is the go-to person when it comes to instructional coaching. He's written several books. Um, He does a lot in training coaches. So I'm excited that they're actually bringing this guy to our district and the guy, not just some random person who's going to talk about his methods the guy for the coaching. Yeah, the and, fact you that, know, go ahead. No, I was going to say the fact that your, your district is ready to make that, that step forward. I think it says a lot to the teachers, to, to the, to the people who are the coaches. I think that's a great, a great message to send. And we want this, we want to make it work and here's how we're going to do it. Yeah. And you know, to the, to the point where I don't know much about him, um, I've been doing some research on the site and we'll be sure to drop those links in the show notes. So be sure to check them out um, in conjunction with this episode. Here is a little bit of a sample uh, from Jim Knight. I'm going to play part of a clip um, just to give a little more background. Uh, Jim is a research associate at the University of Kansas Center for Research on Learning and the president of the Instructional Coaching Group. So here's a little snippet of Jim Knight. My name is Jim Knight, and I started out as an English teacher working in community college. I was hired, and I thought I was going to teach uh, Shakespeare or the modern novel, and I worked with uh, kids who were really struggling. Many of them had learning disabilities. Some had undiagnosed learning disabilities, but they were really, really struggling. They were literally the worst 
in terms of achievement, the worst achieving students in the whole system. And I didn't know what to do, but I used some strategies that were developed at the University of Kansas, and uh, all the kids stayed in the program. Five of them graduated to the next level. They wrote a letter to the president to save the course, and I got a full-time job. So I became a trainer. I started to do workshops on those strategies called the strategic instruction model, and it worked like a charm, and I became a trainer. I started to do training around uh, Canada. I did it in Toronto. And um, uh, after two years, I realized that nobody had done anything that I had trained. Because I asked people to mail me postcards. I'd lick the stamps, give them postcards, and said, send me a postcard describing how well this worked. And after two years, I didn't get a single postcard back. So I became consumed with the issue of, well, what's it take to get implementation? At that time, Michael Fullan was at the University of Toronto, and he was a mentor and a, continues to be a generous supporter of my intellectual growth. And I worked with him, and I started to study how, what's it take to get proven practices used effectively in the hands of teachers. So that's a little preview, and I guess, Stacey, you're going to have a, a front row seat to everything that Coach Knight has to offer. And again, he is... Uh, an expert in instructional coaching and instructional leadership. So this should be an exciting thing for you. Yep. Super excited. Cool. So Stacy, should we have you go with your next point or AJ, do you want to go into one of yours? We'll let AJ speak. Yes. Let AJ speak. Let AJ speak. So uh, for me, I, I'm going to continue to work with, uh, the teachers in my school in any way that I can to uh, give them uh, relevant PD. And what I want to do is I want to take, uh, take on more of a, a leadership role in my school. Um, it's something that still excites me. It's something that still is a passion of mine. The idea of leadership is, is going through my head on a constant basis. So I'm going to pitch some ideas to the administration in my school as to things I think our teachers uh, really need and not just, you know, here's Google Classroom and, and here's what to do with it. I, I'd really like to sit with a bunch of teachers, you know, whether it's weekly or, or once a month or whatever the case may be, but to work with them and help them uh, learn techniques that they can bring to their classroom. We are still spreading the one-to-one -one, uh, one -one message to our students and teachers. And, and I feel like a lot of teachers still don't know things that they can do besides using Google and using other websites to, uh, to bring into their classroom. So I would really like to uh, work with my administration, take on more of a leadership role that, you know, I would like to have one day still um, and see what I can do, you know, figure out something that would be good for them and help them get excited about using new methods in their classroom, whether it is more observations in other people's classroom. I know uh, this year we tried using the, not so much the pineapple charts. We didn't use the pineapple charts, but we had the open classroom where you can walk around and you can come into a classroom with an open door or make a scheduled appointment and see what they're doing. And you know, I wanted to do more, but because of the way my periods worked out, I couldn't always do that. But I did invite people in to come to my classroom and see anything they want to. I told them from from jump, them, I have an open door policy. You know, even though if the door is closed, it's still open. And you're always welcome to come in and see what we're working on that day, see what projects we're going on, uh, see what kind of group collaboration is happening or how I'm using blended learning in my classroom and the different tools. So, you know, I, I think in my school, we still need that push and we still need teachers to be able to, to feel like they're uh, 
able to walk into classrooms and other people are going to be receptive to them walking into classrooms. And one of the biggest things is people don't want to come into classrooms because A, they either seem like they're weak and they don't know what's going on and looking at somebody else is uh, scary for the person who thinks they're being observed. So because of those two reasons, I know a lot of people don't make moves to go into classrooms. So I would like to break that down, open the doors and get people collaborating more and talking more. You know, we, we joked today at Coffee to You and we said, I don't know a lot of people in my school. It's been two years, you know, but a lot of the elementary school teachers on the other side of the building, I'm not familiar with what they, what they do. They're not familiar with what I do. So I think this is a great way to see how our students are learning in our school. The, our kids are our kids. You know, they're going to bounce around from grade to grade. I'm going to be a first grader teacher when they get to seventh and eighth grade. There's no denying that. So to see how they're learning and how they, how I can continue that, you know, seven, eight years down the road, I would like that. So AJ, I have two questions for you. Actually three, two of them are going to go back to that pineapple chart or that open door policy. Did you have teachers come in and watch you teach? So, um, I had teachers come in once. Um, I offered it a variety of times. I had them come in one time. Um, and it was basically that quote unquote blended learning environment where they came in, saw me do a mini lesson at the beginning of class. They then saw uh, a little bit of technology. They saw a little bit of collaboration. So I was kind of showing off more of the tools that we were using on that day than what I was doing. So for that 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 one time, that's what I was showing off. I showed off three tools we were doing and how the collaboration at the end of it uh, would all come into play. They and were. So, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. All right. So to follow up on that, like, mm-hmm. what was the feedback that you got from them? And that's what I was just going to so, say. They really technology tools because they've never th- seen things like that. And yeah, this is elementary school teachers. I believe they were third and fourth grade teachers. You know, they, they had never really seen Ed Puzzle in action. They had never seen New ZLA in action. Um, what else did I do? There was another site that I use. It's like a basic site that like when we think about because, you know, it's things that we're connected with or things we see pop up on Twitter all the time that they're like, oh, how did you use Google Classroom to to make sure the kids are doing this? And I showed them. And that was the feedback. It wasn't so much, this is great blended learning because you know, they don't know. They didn't know it was blended learning. They, they were coming to see technology. Right. And I showed them how I used it in an, in an environment like that. So you had one group of teachers come in on one day. On one day, yes. So what did participation look like for other teachers? Did you go in and see other teachers You know, do their thing? And did other teachers go into other classrooms? And what was the feedback on that? I'll be honest, I don't really know how else it worked out because this was another teacher whose initiative it was that she wanted to bring. And I actually took part in one of the walkthroughs and I looked at, I believe it was, I'm trying to think what it was now. Um, my goodness, I forgot what it was. I think it was classroom management. We'll just, we'll go with classroom management, but I don't think it was exactly that. Um, but I went into uh, a seventh grade classroom and an eighth grade classroom, both language arts teachers to see how they run their class. And it was my students at both times. So I thought that was very helpful. So I saw the seventh grade teacher with my students that I actually have in the morning. And then I saw the eighth grade teacher with students that I had a couple of periods ago. So I did that. I liked how it worked out. I felt that it could have gone a little bit smoother. 
you know, we needed to have like a recap at the end. We didn't have that recap. It was, what did you see? What did you like? And then I wish I was able to go to more classes later on, but it was only for one period. And those are the classes that were available. Um, unfortunately, because of my schedule and my schedule is really one through seven and period eight off that I wasn't able to really dive into other people's classrooms. I wanted to, I would have loved to see in the elementary classrooms, to be honest right. with you. That's one thing I really would have liked to see, but I just didn't have that opportunity. I know that a lot of the elementary school teachers, they were able to bounce around to each other's classrooms more regular. Right. So maybe benefited them. And that's great. Maybe for the middle school teachers, it wasn't the right time because of our periods, but for the elementary school, I think it worked well for them. Well, that's good. You have some feedback for next year, things to make it work and improve. Um, my second question, well, actually, I think it's my third one now, um, has to do with what you started with, where you said that you have some goals for, you know, bringing some of the things that you know about technology and offering yourself out as a teacher leader. So how do you see that working? Like, what do you, what does it look like? What does it sound like? How are teachers going to know that you're available? And in what capacity are you going to make yourself available to them? Well, in my school, we have a CPT time, which is that calming planning time in the morning from 8.05 to 8.35. So I want to use that time and either create a schedule or even even if it's like walking around the buildings and uh, kind of just offering my time for different days and different topics, you know, deliver to PD that, that's needed, whether it's a Thursday or, or a or a Friday. You know, I just want to make sure that that time is being used. Like there's a lot of times we have our team meetings and a lot of times we have other things come up, but I think for the most part, I think that time can really be used, especially at the beginning of the year where we can all gather together and even have like a sit down and mini ed camp style conversation. You know, what's going on in your classroom today? What do you need help with? So if I use myself as like a therapist in a way, I wouldn't mind doing that. But just to help other teachers, you know, even just voice concerns. Uh, I wouldn't say come to my room, but I would, wouldn't mind walking around. Yeah, that's super room. cool. And, you know, that reminds me of that ProAction Cafe that we took part in at ESET to NJPA, mm -hmm. the, the mm -hmm. beginning of the year, where, you know, people got to put up some of the things that they may have had questions about or were struggling with. And the entire table helped them work through some of those issues. So I think that that would be a really valuable way to start your morning. Yeah, I, like I, I think it's needed. You know, I think it's needed. Very cool. Is Chris awake? Yeah, he's awake. <laughs> I'm looking at him. Stacey, we're going to go back to you because I feel that the one thing that I'm going to contribute definitely falls in the category of being the last thing. So, I agree. I just didn't know if you had a question for me. I was going to, I was going to wait for you. That's why I was waiting. Cause it looked yeah. like you had a question, but I don't think you do. I yeah, did, okay. but, uh, but I'm willing to forego my question. No, it's okay. That's all. Okay. Let's continue. Well, my question was going is let's fast forward to September and you're taking the initiative to be in this teacher leadership role. What's the first thing topic wise or conversation wise that, you might consider talking with teachers about out of the gate in September? Well, that is a very difficult question. So let's fast forward to September. Uh, I think it's, you know, I'm going to focus on, on the technology aspect. So I think it's maybe simple review of what you did over the summer tech tools, you know, using like things like Flipgrid 
you know, just kind of like something that brings the technology into the classroom in an easy way that everybody can get comfortable with it right off the bat. So Flipgrid is easy for a teacher to use and set up. Flipgrid is, is a fun thing to do for students. So even just talking to them about something so simple as to here's your first assignment, use this tech tool. You know, I don't want to make it a chore for them, of course, but it would be something interesting for them to try. Cool. I like that. I think one thing that you could do to get the ground running on that is to maybe offer up a challenge to have them explore some type of ed tech tool over the summer. You know, just put it in their in their brains as a possibility. Yeah. No, um, no, I have no problem with that. I think that's, that'd be an easy thing to do or a fun thing to do for me. Do you know what I mean? And even yeah. give them like a really small list of like five things to choose from, something to create, something to, you know, like the different ways to create, you know, whether it be audio, video, um, something outside of Google Slides, you know, that kind of stuff. So something a little different, right? Yeah, just, you know. Maybe so even that's not a Google slide. Maybe even planning for next year, maybe you could set up a Google Classroom to kind of uh, virtually facilitate some of the conversation. And, you know, for people who can't meet up with you, you know, for whatever reason, you know, you, you still have a way to get information in the hands of people and you build a community where everybody can post stuff and contribute. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. I don't want to, you know, have people create too many Google classrooms. Cause I know that's one thing we worked on this year as part of our you know, faculty meeting and our focus. So that is something that I can definitely put on the side and be like, Hey, here's my classroom. If you want the latest tech updates, join and, uh, you know, some quote unquote, subscribe to, uh, the messages that come up. Now, Stacy, we're going to go back to you because I believe that my topic will be better served going last and then we'll go back to AJ and then I'll be able to bring it home. So Stacey, what is your next thing that you're looking for out of PD for next year? Yeah. So I just changed it based on what you guys said about Google classroom. And I think one thing that I failed at this year personally was leveraging my Google classroom for my teachers effectively. So my original goal was to help my, my teachers and admins set personal slash professional goals when it comes to the use of technology in the classroom. So whether it be like learn one tech tool really well per marking period, learn one tech tool for the month, learn one tech tool for the year, you know, um, we've had teachers, you know, dive into Wii video as a grade level. So maybe that's an undertaking. And instead of waiting until March to use it, you know, start earlier in the year. But I think what I might try doing is showcasing and highlighting and having my teachers interact with one another through the Google Classroom more in that capacity. So um, putting out assignments more for them, you know, like goal setting assignments or putting out an assignment that is um, like one of the things I was thinking is trying to find an expert in some of those areas, right? So that it's not always me that they have to go to. So one of the things I did this year was um, learning in the loo. And if I had a teacher use a tech tool or get excited about a new tech tool that he or she had found, then I asked them to write about it, right? Whether it be hyperdocs or like AJ said, Edpuzzle 
um, one of my teachers really got into blend spaces and um, quizzalize. You know, so if you're going to write about that, then, you know, my next step would be to be proactive and find those experts. So like, maybe I go back to the Edpuzzle person and say, would you mind being the expert? So if people come to me and say, you know, I really want to use videos in my classroom. How do I do that? Instead of it always being me, maybe they can go to the science teacher who was super excited about it in the beginning. And I could use my Google Classroom that way as well. So it's kind of a, a hybrid, you know, personal goal for me, use my Google Classroom more. But my overarching goal is to really help my teachers and my my building admin and even, you know, the secretarial staff kind of create those goals that are going to help them grow um, in that techno like in that technological capacity throughout the year and kind of build some cohesion in the Google world, even though we're this weird split between Microsoft and I shudder to say it and, um, and Google. So that was a lot faster than the gym night thing, but there it is. <laughs> no, that that's, but that's also probably going to work out really well for you. And then you'll be able to not only get them tech stuff, but then you can, I mean, both of you, you'll be able to sneak in other interesting opportunities for learning and articles and, and, and it, it yeah, just, and I tried that. I tried that at the beginning of the year, you know, when it was, um, you know, because it was the election season. So I tried posting election type things for my social studies teachers and any teacher who want, you know, felt it necessary to cover parts of the election with their students or, you know, um, I think the last thing I did for that, though, like where it was like a topic centered thing was the Day of the Dead, which is November 1st. So the last time I really ever put something out to a specific group was then. So maybe be a little more diligent about that, whether it be, you know, podcasts or um, articles or blog posts or whatever, whatever comes to mind. Podcasts would be great. No argument here. You know, I and I've shared a couple of podcasts with teachers throughout the year, but it's like, you know, again, it's it's more personalized, which I appreciate, you know, and this was a conversation that um, I actually had in one of my Voxer groups was, you know, what their what their goals are as coaches. And one of the teachers said, you know, this year he spent a lot more time instead of, you know, making it tech for all, making it tech for a purpose. Right. So like if you know that a teacher is working on flipped classroom or blended classroom, then showing them puzzle or um, blend spaces. My math teachers absolutely love blend spaces, you know, and so stuff like that, instead of it, you know, everyone needs blend spaces. Maybe I just go to the math department. Um, and that's another one of my personal goals is to work on departments and, you know, grade level teams, whether it be whole grade level or just the, the four person team um, and the special ed teachers in those teams to kind of create goals among themselves as well. Again, so that they can push each other and also grow and work with one another, which I think would, you know, help shift the, the school culture a little bit. It was a little hard to do all of those things this year. I was still trying to learn the school culture and all of the teachers. Um, I was just going to say that. I mean, to cut you off. I was just going to say that. I mean, you, you're putting yourself out there, like saying that, like, you're going to try. I did this, but it didn't work. And I tried, didn't it? But it sounds like a lot of the things that you're doing is sticking. And it sounds like it's it's the foundation that you're laying for what you're going to do next year, especially. Yeah. Like, you got to remember that middle school, that middle school uh, culture is extremely different from the elementary culture. 
Yeah, it is. You know, because in middle school, it's almost like we're at the high school level. We're like, okay, we have a team, but I kind of have to do things on my own. So I don't really want to be associated with a team all the time. And right. I don't really want to be associated with a department. So I think if you lay in that foundation and you're breaking out into different ideas and, and you have things going for you, I think that's really well played. Yeah, I'm excited. You should be. I'm excited to be going back to the same group of teachers. I have a really strong admin. Um, they're very supportive. So yeah, I'm I'm super excited. Next year is going to be awesome. And And it's that positive attitude that is at least a half a step in the right direction. And I believe I think eight, it's more than a half a step. Absolutely. Well, I mean, we're so far away. Who knows what can happen? I guess. <laughs> but AJ, I think your next point really goes in line with what Stacy's already started to talk about. And really the whole point of what we're doing with professional development and personal development as a whole. So why, why don't you share that? Yeah, yeah. So what I want for next year is a little greedy on my part, but let me explain. So uh, the superintendent, I have a pretty good relationship with him. Um, he said to me, he said, we need to find more relevant PD for our teachers. And since I do find a lot of relevant PD, um, I'm putting it on me as a challenge to get my staff, my, my, the rest of my colleagues involved in that uh, professional development. So I'm going to be looking for several different conferences. I'm going to be looking for uh, a call for proposals. And I'm going to see if I can find some educators that will either piggyback with me on proposals, or if they will join me in more conferences that they've never been to. Now, I'd like to get people to come to this. We'll start with EdCamp, New Jersey. And we'll see if anybody's going to give up a Saturday. Um, that's a difficult task, I understand, because a lot of people in my school are younger and have families. So I know how difficult that is. But I'd like to start there. I would like to get people to come to NJAMLIN. Um, I I know you like when I say that, so I said it. Um, but no, I really want to see more people get involved in things outside of school. I feel like in our school, we're very closed off. We do a lot of things within the district and the sister schools, but I think it's time that we show the good things that we do in our school and we put it out there in other places. And if I can grab one or two teachers, you know, that, that, that would be a great start for me. Because we know, we go to a lot of conferences, we see a lot of different things, we get excited for this learning. So if I can bring one person and then two people, or just send somebody to a conference that I found that's perfect for, you know, uh, Spanish teachers, whatever it is, you know, I just feel like we need more people to get out there and do the things to help them grow as as educators. Oh, you couldn't be any more on point. Uh, I I had that experience this year with uh, guys like Jamie Joshua and Joe Juba who are my two people who I've brought into this world and, you know, they're buying in and they're, they're seeing, you know, so many of the benefits. So I, I can't argue with that. And I think it's great that you want to be that pusher as, as yeah. I would say, but I can't, I can't, I can borrow Chris's one word. I can borrow the one word, but I can't push like that, but you know, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to put it out there, you know, and if I can start with even coffee edu around here in September, and that I will be happy with that. I love it. And I like that you have different levels, like different, different entry levels there. So like, you know, come co-present with me and I will say AJ, um, as one of the organizers for ESET to NJPA, they're doing two events this year. I would highly recommend that if you don't get someone in for the early 
fall event, then, you know, definitely circle back to next, you know, to the 2018 event and try to get people there for that. Because I think like that was, you know, when we did that together, um, that was one of my favorite events of 2015, 16, when we did that all together. Um, and even the 2016, 17 year for ESET 2 was absolutely amazing. But I like that, you know, start small, start with Coffee EDU, you know, and, you know, Chris mentioned um, Joe Juba. We got to meet him this morning at Coffee EDU. And one of his comments, I'm not sure that Chris picked up on it, but, you know, he said Chris, Chris has really been pushing him into being a more connected educator. And one of the things he says he was most regretful of was not joining Twitter when Chris mentioned it a year ago. And, um, you know, because of Chris and the connectedness and all of that, he attended TCT, which I know you guys had a really great experience at a couple of weeks ago. We did. And, and, and he was there and, and he had some good things to say about that. Yeah. So, you know, if you're moving your teachers along that needle just a little bit, you're in a good place. And you challenged me to help um, some of my teachers see the value in Najamli, and I'm definitely taking on that charge as well. And we're, we're going to continue to push that. So we got some summer opportunities for the Njamli people out there. Do I say that wrong? No. Or do you say it wrong? I just say it funny. You say it funny. What's wrong? Well, I mean, little, little, let's digress for a second. What's wrong with, what's wrong with Njamli? I don't know. Say it. I say Njamli. Oh, you say so, N. Mm. Yeah. So I say the sound of the letter, not the name of the letter. Oh, it's an N. So Njamli. It's New Jersey. Yeah, but you're trying to make a word out of it. So you just say the letter sounds, not the letter names, says the first grade teacher. That's why it's a gif, not a gif. Right? All right. So on our last point, Mr. Nessie has <laughs> his ideas for what he wants PD to be like for him. And there's a reason I put this last, because here's a, here's exactly full transparency. Open up the curtain. Here, here's the note. Chris has no idea what he wants to learn next year. And that's okay. Here's why. As we record this episode, it's the beginning of June 2017. We all put a lot of time and effort into everything we talked about in each episode of this podcast, in everything we talked about last episode, in everything I talk about twice a month in the House of Ed Tech. I'm always looking and learning, and I never turn it off. So, to look so far ahead, I think it's okay to not have a plan. And I don't have a plan. Uh, before we started recording, I talked to to Stacy about the fact that I feel like while I don't know what I want to learn, I almost feel like I keep harping on how I want to learn. So let me just shoot the horse one more time again. You know, I'm looking for PD opportunities that I'm interested in. You know, I, I don't like to be told uh, since, since I'm three, I don't like to be told what to do. So I don't want to be told what to learn, how I'm going to learn it. And these are the things you must do in your classroom. You know, I'm 36 years old. I'm highly educated. I know what good teaching looks like. And that's what I strive for in my classroom. And I think it's okay to not specifically have a map or a set of directions or a course planned on where my next learning is going to come next. And summer is a time to recharge. Uh, I have EdCamp Leader, you know, that I'm looking forward to 
We're all going to be presenting at the South Brunswick uh, Technology and Learning Conference that's coming up at the end of this month. And I don't even know that you always need a plan beyond that all the time. I think it's necessary to have a plan between September and June and, and kind of line up those conferences and coffee EDUs and things that are going to make you better in your content area, in your grade level, uh, that relate to the community you work and teach in. And when it comes time for summer, I think it's okay to sometimes just kind of kick back and literally recharge, you know, have a couple of light learning opportunities and then, you know, see what happens when you get to September, take, take the summer to be a little bit more reflective. And I haven't had time to really be reflective yet on my learning for this year. So I don't have a problem with you guys or you who's listening. If you know exactly what you want out of next year, I personally don't. And, and I'm okay with that. We're okay with that for you too. I think that's really, I think that's really cool. I mean, yeah, I mean, people call it a cop out and like you weren't prepared, but no, I think that's absolutely perfect. I, I think, you know, we talked about this last episode, the fact that what else do we do? I'm like, uh, I think education a lot. <laughs> and that's yeah. about it. So I think it's good not to have that plan. I'm sitting here planning, you know, we talked about it again, 10 book challenge. You're sitting here saying, Hey, uh, whatever, let it go. I think it's great. I think it's fantastic. So, so do you guys have any more thoughts on next year right now? No, I really think that um, collectively we're going to bring some really good PD opportunities to podcast PD over the summer and in the fall, we have a lot to bring to the table, whether it be our own personal slash professional or the growth that we see in the teachers that we're going to be um, helping move along. There's a lot of potential for growth. What are we learning and what have we learned lately? AJ, take it away. For me, as mentioned in the last podcast, I'm going to continue doing this. I have narrowed down my book list for my 10 books, 10 weeks challenge, and I am putting it together slowly so that I can get the blog post out there as to here's what I will actually be doing. Uh, I was throwing around ideas with these two knuckleheads about creating a Google form for everybody to fill out. But then at the end of the day, I just realized, look, this is my books. I'm going to read them for my enjoyment and for my learning. So you're all stuck with what I'm going to read. So when we have our next episode, I will have the books ready to go. And the blog post will be probably pu published by our next episode. So 10 books, 10 weeks challenge, focusing on personal growth, focusing on leadership, focusing on motivation. Um, of course, there are going to be some things I'm throwing there for my classroom, like gam gamification and project-based learning and all those kind of things. So as I kind of dive into more books, I'm kind of finding more of that I guess, I guess it's self-help. I don't know if that's the right way to call it these days, but that motivation that I'm looking for. And uh, I like being able to pick out these books and, and see where they're going to take me. So the library has actually been like my new best friend because in case somebody knew out yeah, there, there is a library by you and they have a lot of books there. Check that out. A Imagine library that. with books. Like Amazon rocks, but... The library has a lot of the same books Amazon does, and they're free. Free is for me. Who's up next? Who's telling us what they're what are you what are you learning there, Mister Nessie? Tell us what you, what you've been doing. So, what have I been doing? This is more like a current events thing. Uh, I went to Miles's school, uh, took a personal day that I scheduled months in advance, 
and I volunteered at his field day slash fun day, you know, it's because it's that time of year. And it reinforced for me why I can't teach elementary school. I love children. I love my five-year-old son. All of his little classmates are so cute and adorable. And that is just not the environment for me in terms of age group. It's nice to play games, but I give the teachers at pre-K, kindergarten, first grade, those real primary grade levels, a lot of credit for being able to actually provide instruction and content for that age group, because I would just want to play games. And because that's what I do with my son all the time. You know, we play when, when I volunteered, I, I, I ran the, uh, the relay races and, and whatnot. Um, so, so really, if anything, if I was going to provide content, I would have to be a phys ed teacher at that level. Because that would, f- that would scratch my itch of having fun with the kids. I like that. And I could see you being like, like kindergarten cop or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Great movie. A, because you're like, you know, you're a pretty big guy. And then B, because I could just see you being like a total goofball. And you probably have a wicked Arnold impersonation lined up. In fact, I want you to say, who is your daddy and what does he do? <laughs> Who is your daddy and what does he do? We've been saying that all week in my house, so that's fantastic. This is my pet ferret. (laughs) It's not a Duma. Oh, my goodness. All right. So for me, um, my my learning um, is going back to my one word. I know it's not necessarily learning, but kind of finding that balance between um, between what I'm listening to. I know it sounds really ridiculous, but I tend to go for like month long jags where I like I'm either listening to all podcasts or all books. And this month I've actually have some good balance. And so for the, like if we look at at a month as being like the last 30 days, I've listened to two books and still been able to keep up with all of the new podcasts that are coming out. And Tina Monty um, will laugh at me because she looked at the number on my podcast catcher in it. Right now it says 760, it said 759 before we started. So I don't know what happened. Um, and, and when she saw it, I think it was around 720 or something like that. So the numbers keep increasing, but finding the last balance, time I saw it, it was at 600. I know it's it's a little ridiculous. I keep adding stuff. You guys are not helping. I added that stories podcast from last time. Super good. Love it. And I'm um, trying to keep up with what's being put on hold for me and on loan through the Overdrive app. And you know, much like AJ, I like using the public library. Um, I just don't have time to physically go to the public library. So I do a lot of audiobooks and um i think i just downloaded my first ebook in a really long time so we'll see how that goes because i also ordered a copy of it from amazon so and that'll be another new thing for me is actually having a hard copy of a book and reading and i i don't know like this is a really weird um transition but speaking of like books because this has been a lot about books but um when you do professional reading do you ever do that audio or do you always do that um hard copy i'll be honest i've never actually listened to an audio book before but I, I mean i'm willing to try it for the summer just because i know there's things out there and i know there's some books i'm interested in 
that are audio versions. So that might be a quick read, but you know, finding the time, like a lot of this and a lot of things we listen to, I do it in my car or I'm doing it while I'm doing the lawn. I just don't feel like I can sit and focus on a book doing those kind of things. I will give you some advice. If it's an educational professional development type book, don't do the audio version, especially if your normal format is a hard copy. And if you're, if you write in your books, definitely don't do an audio version. But I will tell you that listening to personal development books in an audio version has been really amazing, especially when the author reads the book and you kind of get the nuances of what he or she is, is, you know, arriving at when they're putting the words, I guess, traditionally on in print, but, um, but then even just doing the audio version of it and kind of coming at you with that is, has been, it's been really amazing. I like it. All right. I will, I will take your advice on that one. Thank you. You are welcome, sir. Chris, do you do a lot of audio books or are you more traditional with your hard copies? I'm more of a hard copy person. And I say that with the caveat of I'm not a big reader. So any of the content I do consume is the physical copy for reading. Uh, the closest I get to digital for reading is, you know, PDFs and, and websites. And then in terms of audio, I've never had an audio book other than for a brief period. I had a copy of uh, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People, which was really just, it wasn't really an official audio book file. Um, and then obviously all the other audio that I consume for learning is podcast based. <laughs> and we're back. Where are we with show notes? Feedback. Oh, she's a sweetheart. Can anybody guess who that is? <laughs> that should be the game we play with our listeners. Guess who the feedback's from. <laughs> because she's cute. And a sweetheart. She's, she's so sweet. I love her. And we're, she loves us too. Yes, she does. And we're talking about... dun da 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 Tina Monteleon. Thank you for the Twitter love, Tina. We love you right back. Absolutely. I got to see her at the um, NJETC thing in my district, and that was super cool. And then we went and had lunch together afterwards. That's when she saw my my badge. It was the only red dot on my phone. But, yep, <laughs> she gave us some Twitter love, talking about us keeping our last conversation real. And I think we carried that over compliment. into today's episode. What's that? I think we carried that over into today's episode, too. Yeah, and I take that as a high compliment from her because if there's ever a truly genuine person out there, it is Tina. And we are all about appreciating the genuine people that exist in this world. Yeah. There's so few. Well, the good ones are are. definitely worth... (laughs) What's that? I went deep. I'm sorry. There are. There's so few genuine people. Yeah. But she's certainly one of them. I don't... I'm 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 not doubting that. We have, we have some good ones as part of our PLN. Yeah. And actually, I tweeted out a quote earlier that said, um, if you can't judge the character of the person in front of you, um, take a look at their friends. I'm totally botching the actual quote, but that was the sentiment. I, I get the idea. Yeah. yeah. And I think we are surrounded by some really awesome people. All right, AJ, take us out of here. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for another episode of Podcast PD. We appreciate your listening. And if you are enjoying the conversation, please spread the word. 
spread the podcast. Uh, feel free to connect with us on the Twitter and the Instagram at Podcast PD. Uh, find us on Facebook. Join our group there, podcastpd.com slash uh, Facebook. And connect with me on Twitter at AJ Bianco and my blog, which will be extremely active over the summer, thanks to Stacey's push last week, at ajbianco.me. Stacey, where you at? Um, I'm at irontech on Twitter and Instagram, and my blog is irontech.me. And I'm Chris Nessie on Twitter at Mr. Nessie. My website is chrisnessie.com, and I'd love it if you took the time to also check out my podcast, The House of Ed Tech. That's it. We'll see you next time. Ready? Yep. Yes, well, sir. folks. Well, hey, Chris, jumping on my toes here. All right. Wait, well, what? folks, what is going on? <laughs> You guys making all the noise for him? Trying to close the episode here. Trying to close the episode. You guys are my other things. Yeah, I'm going to close the episode now. All right, count to three in your head, everybody. Well, folks, I can say anything again. I want because I'm on my own audio <laughs> track. I'm not going to close this. I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going. I'm going to hang up, and I'm going to say goodbye. That's it. You can record that later on. Screw you guys. I'm going home. Taking my ball. Taking my ball and I'm going home. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. No, it's mine. I want it. <laughs>